Hello, welcome back to another episode of Stories brought to you by Kiosk M1C. Kiosk M1C is the voice of Lower Stable Street and has curated all shops, events and exhibitions on Lower Stable Street since Coldrop Shard first opened back in 2018. Their mission has been to support new businesses and provide an environment in which they can thrive and grow. I'm Maria Hanlon and in each episode I'll be finding out the real stories of how these businesses have developed and how the community has helped shape their journey. In episode 16, I chat to Kevin from the iconic jazz label Blue Note Records. Kevin gave me an incredible history lesson on the story of Blue Note Records from when it was first established back in 1939. We also spoke about some of the artists who have been signed to Blue Note, including the fabulous Nora Jones, Robert Glasper and Herbie Hancock, to name a few. Kevin also tells me about the Blue Note pop-up happening in Coldrop Shard at the moment and recommends some stunning albums to check out. I really hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Here's episode 16 with Kevin from Blue Note. Okay, so Kevin, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for this chat. I feel like I'm going to sit back with my coffee and really enjoy this one. So could you start by, first of all, telling me your role within Blue Note? Okay, thank you, Maria. Thanks for having me here. So um, I'm a freelance consultant uh, within the music industry. I've worked within the music industry for 30 years, uh, for the last 20 years at Universal Music Group. Um, And here we are chatting, and this has come about that um, one of my roles, uh, many things that I do is... um, set up and run the Blue Note pop-up store, which we do on a yearly basis here at Cold Drop Shard. Amazing. And for people that don't know, what is Blue Note? Well, it's a long story. We've got, we need hours for this. Um, <laughs> but essentially, Blue Note Records is a record label. Um, now it started in 1939 um, in New York. Um, it's still going strong. Um, it has thousands of recordings. Um, it's a frontline label, i.e. they're still signing new line art, um, new frontline artists um, they have an A&R team and essentially it's probably one of the or I no hang on I'm going to say one of the I'm going to say the uh, biggest and most famous jazz record labels in the world it's iconic when I knew we were speaking today I was like wow this is a big deal yeah the the, the artwork it isn't it's, it's about the music of course um, but um, it's about the artwork it's iconic um, it's often um, people try and replicate that artwork. They don't quite get it, um, but they often try. Um, and it's been um, shown around the world. There's been films and documentaries made, books made about the artwork artwork as well. So Blue Note was first established in 1939, ages ago basically. So could we talk a bit more about the journey and pivotal moments within that time? Yeah, so I think... If you look at that period, um, it was started primarily by two stroke three um, Jewish immigrants who arrived in New York City who had a love of jazz. Alfred Lyon, uh, Max Margrez, um, who were the sort of founders. Max was the sort of, um, he funded the project. And so Alfred Lyon um, basically got uh, an artist that he really liked. He invited him to a studio after he'd been playing at a jazz club, um, meet Lux, Lux Lewis and cut a record with him and uh, they put it out on... It was a hobby. Um, and it developed from there. They, there's a guy called Francis Wolfe who was very influential for the label um, in terms of he uh, the photography that he took as well, as well as running the label. And the, one of the important things is... The, the black, particularly the black jazz musicians who were playing 
um, and who they really looked after them. They befriended and they all became really good friends with Alfred and Francis. They would pay more than others, even though you know they probably couldn't afford it at that time. But they wanted to, and they developed lots of friendships. And word got spread around that Blue Note were a great place to go and record for. So they 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 continued as a record label. Um, but I think one of the most pivotal points of this was in 1964 for the label, um, where Song for My Father by Horace Silver was released. And for the first time, it picked up national radio stations or radio stations across America and around the world. It just had a sound that you hear and you're instantly taken in. You go... I love jazz. I love this. This is the first record. And I think that's what happened in 1964. Blue Note couldn't print enough, press enough of these records. So the fortunes of the label stepped up. It took it into a, another level. Um, that continued. Um, and they, by this time, they, they had thousands of lab, uh, recordings um, from Herbie Hancock, Art Blakey, um, Grant Green. Um, you know, it was bebop, sort of going from sort of early, uh, sort of started with sort of swing, going into bebop, and you can see the styles of jazz changing and post bop. Um, but the late sixties, jazz was starting to decline as a music genre because you had, you know, you had Beatlemania came along, you had pop music, you had rock music, you know. So, so the, the, the genres changed and, and they expanded. And, and I think that this put uh, Blue Note under quite a bit of pressure um, until in the early 70s, a guy called George Butler came to the label. So George had a new vision for the label. He knew he, knew, he, knew he needed to change the sound of Blue Note Records um, to fit in probably with the trends that were happening then. Disco, funk um, was... A lot of the jazz musicians were transitioning into that kind of period. So, but he pulled. Essentially, he bought it. Bought in two producers, the Meisel brothers, who Larry and Fonz, um, from a great musical backgrounds. One was a, um, a songwriter for Motown and a producer, and his brother was a. Um, uh, a scientist, but also equally a musician. But his scientist, one of the interesting things was he uh, worked on the Apollo mission for NASA, where he was a developer for liquid crystal displays or LCD that some of us know about, touch screen phones and what we watch um, screens on, uh, which is quite interesting because of the the music now where we, a lot of us consume it is on streaming services. But they produced uh, a number of albums which were hit records. Um, particularly, there's one here I've got in front of me, Donald Byrd, Places and Spaces, which is on a lot of DJs and kind of young people and jazz funk. It's one of the most iconic records of that period. Then the label continued um, and it was distributed or it was part of the EMI group. Um, and probably another interesting moment within the label was um, is Us Three. Um, there was a, an album that came out called Hand on My Torch, which Us Three was a British um, act. Um, it was the period when Acid Jazz was coming out. They were sampling a lot of Blue Note records. Um, the 
the, the main man behind us three was a guy called uh, Jeff, who was called over to the Blue Note offices. Um, he thought that he was going to get lawyers sue him. And he turned up at the offices because he'd sampled some of the Blue Note. They told him they loved what he was doing and they wanted to sign him to produce a record. It was a huge record. He sampled a, a Herbie Hancock uh, record, um, which went on um, into the charts. And that developed the label to be able to move on and go, OK, there's an A&R direction. We have some funding here that we can look at other artists. And then um, a huge important part of the label was the signing of Nora Jones. Nora became a global hit. She sold multi-million records, and she still does today, um, and which enables the label to be able to sign artists, develop itself, develop, develop itself as a catalogue label as well. Um, but the important thing, moving jazz into what it is today, not just looking in the past, but it's also looking very much forward into the future. Definitely. I feel like that was such a good history lesson. I love that. Thank you. And also, I'm such a big fan of Nora Jones. She's incredible. So let's talk a bit more about some of the artists who are signed to Blue Notes. I know you mentioned Nora Jones, Robert Glasper, Tom Beach, Gregory Porter, Herbie Hancock, just to name a few. So who are the labels signing at the moment? And are there any artists in particular that stand out to you and you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, um, over the last sort of few months, we've had various releases. Um, we've got a Michelle and Gacello um, record, which came out a few months ago. Um, we've got some really good people on Ambrose, uh, Angrof Missouri, Jeff Parker, uh, Jason Moran, um, Michelle and Coachello. Uh, Michelle is uh, really highly thought of um, within the jazz community and beyond that. Um, she's just had some remixes um, by King Brit. And other releases, we've got a US saxophonist, uh, Joshua Redman, um, who's featuring uh, Gabriello Cavassa, who was actually in the pop-up store yesterday. They came down a store appearance. Um, and also Chris Boaty. Um, it's his debut album for Blue Note Records. Um, Chris is um, he's, he's probably one of the hardest working um, session musicians, um, he, as well as being an artist in his own right. Amazing. And could we also talk about the other record that you have here, the Blue Note Reimagined, the very popular one? Yeah, so Blue Note Reimagined, I think we'll, um, a lot of your listeners uh, will know this. Um, it came out in 2020 and it was a project which was done from the UK, but it was put on the Blue Note record. So um, big up to uh, Rachel Holmberg at Decca Records who was a driving force of this. So she took, uh, approached UK artists, jazz artists, and said, we want you to record, re-record um, in your own imagination so it doesn't have to be note by note. It's not just a standard re-record. Um, your version of a classic Blue Note record. Um, the what came through was incredible. So you've got things like uh, Georgia Smith um, doing Rose Rouge. That Ezra track is, can I just say, banging, isn't one it? of my faves. Yeah. So, um, so good. Ezra Collective, um, Georgian Racquet, Alpha Mist, uh, Steam Down, Blue Lab Beats, Mr. Dukes. Um, and it's gone, we've had two volumes of this uh, and I'm sure there are more to come as well because it's, it's a great concept. Um, critically, um, it's, well, you, you've just said, you, you and commercially, it's been a success. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's got like all the best UK talent on there. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's, the important thing, it opens up a market to a younger audience who may not have heard of Blue Note before um, and then they can look at, okay, what is Watermelon Man? Um who originally done that and it was by Herbie Hancock and then they would understand the connection 
between the, the contemporary re-record or a reimagined version and going back to the original. Definitely. And I think because the artwork is so iconic, I remember seeing the Georgia Smith one, I think it was on Spotify, mm. and I saw all the kind of dots and splodges and I thought, I recognise that. And then I pieced it all together because I just had the singles kind of separately. So yep. it's nice to have the full record and have it all sort of come uh, okay. together. So let's talk a bit more about what the label does in terms of like A&R. Yeah, so A&R. So the, the, the uh, Blue Note is headed up by... Um, a great, wonderful man called Don was. Don um, is a successful artist in himself. He's a successful producer. He's Grammy award winning. Um, and he's one of the coolest men on the planet. Uh, if you were to meet him, you would just go, I'm in awe of this, this man. Um, he's so nice. He's very humble. Um, so he leads the A&R direction for Blue Note. Um, and... They've got a philosophy of Blue Note, um, and he wanted to maintain that. So Don's vision for the label is, like it always has been, is to let the artist do what it wants to do. It's about um, the artistic integrity, um, and that's important because you don't always get that a lot of labels. You know, you'll have an A&R man who wants a certain sound, um, and Don has always been... Um, open about that allowing the artist to go into the studio and express themselves yeah amazing and something else we mentioned just before we started recording was keeping the catalogue alive could we talk a bit more about that because obviously the catalogue at blue no is just incredible and huge so how does that work it is um the the great thing about blue note is there are lots of people who like collecting it and they want it on uh, on vinyl um, and this has enabled the label to have a, a huge reissue program. Um, they've got hundreds of titles which have been reissued on vinyl. Um, they've got a Blue Note Classic um, series, which um, you know they're very well looked after, restored, uh, good pressings, the original artwork. But there's also a, a range which they introduced a few years ago called the Tone Poet series. So the Tone Poet series um, is a series of uh, reissues where most of them have not been reissued before since their original or very early release. The original collectors can pay hundreds, if not thousands, or multi-thousands of pounds for the originals of these. And they're taken, they're, they're remastered from the original analogue tapes, um, and they're supervised by a man called Joe Harley and mastered by Kevin Gray, uh, who is a very famous, um, respected mastering engineer. They're manufactured at a place called RTI, which is a bespoke manufacturing plant. So everything audio-wise is at the best. But interestingly, they're mastered to be listened to on records that you play on today, where the original records, which were mastered by Rudy Van Gelder, who's a famous engineer, were mastered to be listened to on record players back in the day, back in the 1950s right. and 60s. These were monos. And they, they, they come in um, amazing, really thick cards, wallet, jackets. They've got the original artwork. They're gatefolds, most of them, um, and they've got photographs in it. And they're very collectible. Um, they've, they've been um, – we, we, we have people in the store who say, I've got them all, and there's I think there's probably something near 100 of these, and they've got pretty much all of them. They're just looking for one or two just to complete the collection. Wow. So it's, it's keeping fans alive, and it's a really interesting series. 
that's incredible. They look great. And then just bringing it back to now. So you're currently hosting your pop-up store here in Coldrop Shard and it coincides with London Jazz Festival. Mm. So how has that been going so far? Yeah, it's been brilliant. Um, we, we always time it around this time of year because there's a lot of people in London um, and we it, it's a great place for them to do as part of the London Jazz Festival experience. So they'll pop here during the day before they go to one of the concerts afterwards later on in the, um, in the evening. Yeah, that's amazing. And how long does that run for? Is it till November? Um, the um, yes, until next weekend, um, the eighteenth, uh, nineteenth. Hang on, I don't know my dates in front of me. Um, um, and yeah, the, the, the pop up store shuts. Uh, we finish on this this Saturday. Amazing. And then a bit more of a personal question: What would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? Oh, it's about people. It's. Um, the one thing that I always remember um, over the years is when you introduce a record to someone, you say, have a listen to this, you'll like this. And you may not hear anything or you, they may not mention, but years later they say, do you remember that record that you told me about? It took me on a massive journey. Wow. Um, and it changed, or, you know, people just say, your music does, you can find something that changes your life. 100%. It, it, it's, it, it changes people's lives. And I think that's the most rewarding thing. Yeah, it's a really powerful thing for sure. So... What are your future plans for Blue Note? Well, I mean, for not I mean for Blue Note as the the pop up store, um, we would like to take it outside of London um, for next year. Um, um, I'm not going to be specific on the actual towns, but that's something that we're looking at. I think um, you know, because it's very rare that artists they come into London to play, and it's very rare they they move southwest, north, or wherever yeah, part yeah. of the country. So that's one of the things we'd like to do. So keep your eyes peeled, listeners. And then what is the one book, or it could be a film or an exhibition, or probably an album is more appropriate, that a music lover should consume or you would recommend? Um, Donald Bird, Places and Spaces. That was such a quick reaction. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and you spoke about that a bit earlier, didn't you? So yeah. people can listen back to that and understand why. And then where is the one place in King's Cross, apart from Blue Note, that everyone should check out and why? Um, the whole place, just come and explore it. I love Cold Drop Shard. Um, I, I think the whole team up here have created a real community. Um, I think probably at the moment, um, food. Yeah. Uh, Voices there's, Radio is a cool place. There's just music, the way there's through. food, yeah, there's everything there, you there can there on the street. Um, I, I think this week, um, the most important thing as well is to mention um, the Boat Pod. Yes. Which we've had, um, it's run by, it's, basically it's a converted canal boat, um, converted into a studio and a podcast suite. And it's run by a lovely person called um, Sophie Callis, who um, has, uh, she's such an ambitious lady and she's got this community of people around her and she's got this vision and they've brought it down from it's normally um placed at paddington at little venice on the canal there so they had to take the two and a half hour journey down wow. bring it up here moor it down here so they've been using it as a space to um run a blue note week throughout the week um so they've got guests uh, of djs residents djs because they're a radio a streaming radio station as well um so they've been running shows um all over the weekend and through this week um to celebrate blue note records that is so cool um, that's amazing other places within here um house of cans have been amazing they've, yeah, they've produced cool um uh, a particular a, a special limited edition blue note uh, beer oh, wow. um, with like all the blue note artists um That's they incredible. do that with us each year um that they're, they're really cool um yeah and then 
food. Yeah, <laughs> I like how you just say just food, yeah. No, there's so much going on here. There's always something to come down for. And then finally, where can people buy the records? Is it best to head to the website? What's the website? For yeah, people? there's, I mean, you can go to Blue Note Records. You can buy directly or there's a Blue Note UK. There's um, another store which will be opening, uh, well, which I've, I'm working on, which will be launching next year called everythingjazz.com. Uh, we've launched in North America and Australia at the moment. We'll be doing the UK store of that. So you can still buy from there, but it needs to be in US dollars. But um so for next year um there'll be something to talk about there as well amazing well thank you so much kevin i feel like i've learned so much we're going to have so many recommendations now to go away with thank you for coming on the podcast oh you're welcome thank you very much for having me maria